If you want to turn in your Bibles this evening, we'll be back in the book of Acts, chapter number 8. We'll pick up um, in the study where we were last Sunday night. Um, we looked last week at how Philip went down to Samaria and how he preached to those people that the Jews didn't like, the ones that they called dogs and common people. And he went down and, and he preached the gospel and he preached the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, we saw great success and people began to turn to the Lord and we saw how Peter and John went down also and began to help set it up there or set up the church and began to help him in the ministry. We left off with the reason that we're looking through the Acts of the Apostles is just to see that there are some men that God has used in a great and a mighty way. We see through these men, we see love and compassion. That's what we see there in Philip as he goes down to people that everybody else didn't like, even all of his friends and those around him. It's called compassion when you're willing to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Regardless of what you think about him as a person, you understand they have a soul that is on the way to hell. And nothing is more important than telling them the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. So we looked at how the Christians were fearless in that day. We looked at the lives of these men and how they went on and they preached the gospel regardless of the fact that many of them would lose their lives based on standing on the principles of the Lord Jesus Christ. They stood on their faith, but yet they changed the lives of many people. As a matter of fact, they changed the entire world. The reason we're here today is because this group of men that just would never give up. Amen? So we see what just a small group of people can do to change the environment, not just in their surroundings, but for many years to come. Well, I want to continue on this evening. I told you we would pick up where we left off last week, and I want to look at a message, and if I gave it a title, it would be The Power of One. And I was thinking about that, that title, and I, I told Ms. Frieda this morning, I said, I think I've used that title before. I've never preached this message before, but I've used that title. And she said, yeah, you preached it October. And I got to thinking, and I remember a message, The Power of One. And we used, I think, men like David, and we used maybe Moses, and we might have used Noah. I remember some individuals as we looked at how God used an individual. But that has nothing to do with this one. So if that title sounds a little like you've heard it before, well, that's because you have. But you've not heard this message. I'm just not original enough, I guess. But we are going to continue through this study here in the book of Acts, chapter 8, and in verse number 26. It says that the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, before I move on with that, I want to make sure that I point out and emphasize the first part of the next verse right there in verse 27. It says, He arose. And went. That ought to be our response. When God speaks, it's time to go. See, we, we live in this today. We, well, let's, let's say we. I don't live in y'all's mind, so maybe I ought to just say me. Some of us in here try reasoning with God. Some of us in here have been guilty of telling God, I can't do that, God. Some of us, there's at least one of us in here that I can truthfully speak on behalf of that one individual we won't point out who he might be but say there's been times that he has debated with God and said God there there's no way that's that's just not me God I mean let's be reasonable about this thing you must have got the wrong person now I know some of you don't know what I'm talking about I'm just telling you that there's some of us in here 
that we didn't have that response when God said, I want you to go. And you said, yep, I'm on my way. I'll be there as soon as I can get there. But when God gives us something to do, and we know clearly that God gave it to us. He woke us up at 3 a.m. in the morning and told us he wanted us to do it. We don't need to be asking questions. We just need to be doing the work of the Lord. He goes on and says, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself under this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come, come up and sit with him. Father God, I pray you take this tonight, Lord. You just teach us something, God. Will you show each one of us in here that the power of one is just the power of one surrendered heart? It's the power of one surrendered life. There's nothing in and of ourselves, God. We have nothing to offer, God. We, we see ourselves as nothing because we are nothing. But your word tells us that in Christ we can do all things, Father. And there is power in each one of us, God. There's power in every tongue in this place. There's power in every heart in this place. There's power in every life in this place, God. You put us here, and there's a purpose, God. And there's enough power within each one of us in the name of Jesus Christ to absolutely, literally change the world if we just trust the power that we have. And God, I pray you teach us something tonight. I pray you charge us up and energize us, God, that in the week that lies ahead, Lord Jesus, if you tarry, you don't come get us. And we live that week, Father. May we be a usable vessel in your hand. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We, um, what we have here in this eunuch is a man that has traveled more than 200 miles for the sole purpose of coming to Jerusalem to worship. He is riding along and he's reading the prophet Isaiah as he traveled. Philip comes up and says, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I understand it? I don't have anybody to explain it to me. That would have been a little more prevalent in the day because they said only the priest could read. You know, in the Old Testament, only the priest could read the law and the people just had to come. And I'm not going to get sidetracked off into all that. But I will ask you a question. Anybody ever read something you didn't understand it? Anybody ever been studying something in the Word of God? It's right there. It's written in black and white, maybe in red. And you read it and you simply just don't get it. You, you tried studying. You tried looking. You tried asking people. You tried research. You tried Google. And even Google wasn't smart enough to get it. So you knew it was bad. You just couldn't get an answer. You tried everything. But it just seemed like that answer was running from you. It seemed like it was hid from you. There's just no way that you could get that answer. Anybody ever been there? Do you remember what it was like when God showed you the answer? It doesn't matter. If you were studying and you researched, you found something, you read something in the Bible, or if you asked somebody and they explained it and they got it, it doesn't matter how you got it. Do you remember the moment when you got it? Wow, that's it? Man, that is so good. That is the Word of God come real in my life how could i have missed it that is so simple y'all know what i'm talking about you remember the feeling well that's what we have here in the text this man is reading something that he simply does not understand he's reading from the prophet isaiah verse 32 says the place of the scripture which you read was this he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a dumb and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth in his humiliation his judgment was taken away 
And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? The Bible says at that point that Philip began to tell him about Jesus. It doesn't matter what part of the scriptures you're at. It doesn't matter what part of the Bible you're in. It doesn't matter what the question is. It doesn't matter. Everything is always about Jesus. There is nothing else in the Word of God more important than Jesus. And if they ask you a question you can't understand, then just tell them you don't know the answer either, but let's talk about the one I do know and tell them about Jesus because there is absolutely nothing else in the Old Testament or the New Testament that will get anybody saved except the name of Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. The text says that Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? You need to pay attention to verse 37. Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, and this is it, if you don't believe this one, you don't have anything else. If you don't believe this, the rest of the book is going to do you no good. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. All that Ethiopian needed was for somebody to sit down and talk to him. He just needs somebody to spend a little bit of time. He just needs somebody to listen. Listen, he didn't need a scholar. He, he didn't need a doctorate degree. He didn't need some theologian. He didn't need this deep biblical debate. All he needed was the simplicity of the truth, and that's Jesus. That's all he needed to hear. And everything he had and all of his debate and everything that's there, all he needed was the simplicity of the truth. Same thing's true with you and I today. People today want to debate the scriptures. They want to debate this. I read that. I debated that. They want, listen, they're not looking to debate. They're just looking to deny. They just don't want to accept the truth. They don't believe the first part, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't believe that they're going to go to hell if they don't accept Jesus Christ. So they just want to debate things. They, they want to look as though they're really smart and, and really intelligent. But the truth is, it's not about a debate. It's all about Jesus. And if they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're on the way to hell, and absolutely nothing is going to change that. But God, I like those words, but God sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. It's the simplicity of the gospel. People today in, in our world are getting more and more confused and, and you've got this Scientology this new garbage out there that a lot of the movie stars are pushing you got people like Oprah Winfrey that passed herself off as a Christian for all these years and made billions of dollars and all this stuff and now she stands up in a podium with millions and millions of people watching and says there's not only one way there's thousands of ways there has to be I don't know what book you read ma'am and you burnt more money today than I'm ever going to make. But you've lost your ever-loving mind. There is one way. And that one way is Jesus Christ. And I don't care how much money you make or how smart you are. You can't get past the fact of the gospel. There's one way. 
seems like every day somebody's trying to come up with something new. They found something new in the Bible, something that we've been missing. We've been misinterpreting how it goes, and this is the way it really ought to be done. And they're coming up with all these new ideas and new philosophies and new theories. And the truth is, they're just coming up with their own opinions. That's all that really boils down to. They're just trying to change things, and all it's doing is confusing people. What people need is the pure, simple, unaltered truth. It's all about Jesus. All of this human additions that people want to put into it, their human embellishments. Let's leave all that stuff out. Just tell them about Jesus. You don't have to memorize scriptures. You don't have to be able to quote the Bible. Just tell them about Jesus. You've got a story. Just tell them your story because your story is about Jesus. If you've got a story, the only story you've got is about when I met Jesus. When I accepted Jesus, we just need to tell them the truth. People who are hurting and people who are in despair, those people who are on the other side of our storm that we talked about this morning, those people that God's sending us to and they're still in a storm or they're hurting, all they need is to learn how important they truly are to God. Tell them the story about Jesus. Nothing can tell you more about how important you are to God than the story about Jesus, that he sent his only begotten son to die for my sins and for yours. Amen? A couple of weeks back, I I jumped ahead into chapter 9. We looked at the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus and the conversion to the apostle Paul. And I kind of did that just as we were looking and kind of now as we leave with Philip and the eunuch there... um, I need to jump past where we were in chapter 9. So if you'd skip on over, we'll pick up at verse number 32. It says that it came to pass, as Peter passed through all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. So you remember the title tonight, it's the power of one, right? The power of one. Miss Frieda, can you put that picture? I want the video just yet. Put that picture up for me. I want, I want you to you see a picture. How many of you... Um, how many of you remember that picture? Y'all see that man down there in front of that tank? Y'all remember that picture? Yes. Tiananmen Square, Beijing, China. The story in that is thousands, thousands of people were brutally murdered. According to the Internet, they still don't know who that man is. There's one video, it's pretty long, I'm not going to show you that one tonight, I'll show you a short clip in just a minute, but there's one pretty long and it shows him trying to get around and that man's not going to let him by and he gets up on the tank and he gets up and he's talking to him and hollering at him and, and you have this, this one man, this one man made all of that stand still for an amount of time. One man changed the lives of literally millions in just a matter of a few minutes. Go ahead. If you got the video, go ahead and put that. This is a little short clip. Matter of fact, we pulled just a short clip out of it. But, but look at him. It looks like he's probably been to the grocery store. He's got a couple of little plastic bags with some stuff. And he's just on his way home from the grocery store. And he sees these tanks. That's what brought it all about. They went through Tenement Square. And some say they killed hundreds Most reports say there was over 10,000 people killed that day. It was a pro-democracy 
movement. It was led by students. And they went through. It was called the People's Libertarian Army. June 4th, 1989, went through and killed over 10,000 people. And this one man, the next day, says, that's enough. Hmm. June 19th. 1989, Time Magazine article says, One man against an army. The power of the people versus the power of the gun. There he stood implausibly resolute in his thin white shirt, an unknown Chinese man facing down a lumbering column of tanks. For a moment that will be long remembered, the lone man defined the struggle of China's citizens. Why are you here, he shouted at the still silent hulk. You've done nothing but create misery. My city is in chaos because of you. One man standing alone in defense of 1.1 billion Chinese people. One man by himself stood in front of enough firepower to level that entire city in a matter of minutes. It's the power of one. One person can set a movement on fire that can change the direction of a country just with a dream. One person can take a corporation that is failing and about to die and turn it into a multi-billion dollar giant. One person can take a defeated, desolate people and renew a hope. Never underestimate the power of one or the fact that you are one. Amen. I'm thinking I pronounced his name right. It's Igor Sikorsky. Um, he is a Russian-American um, engineer, designer. He, he worked in airplanes, building airplanes, and had a lot to do with the development of airplanes back in the early and mid-1900s. matter of fact, he's given credit for giving us the first usable helicopter. But one of the things that he's famous for, and I did read some reports and tried reading some stuff. One of the things, if I use somebody, I like to know whether or not they're a Christian. Um, and, and it says that he was an Orthodox, an Orthodox Christian from Russia. But there, didn't really go on and talk much about what that meant or his faith or any of that stuff. But one of the things that he is noted so much for is quotes that he did. And a lot of them were um, aeronautical. They, they were things about... Airplanes. One of the things that he said, when you're in trouble, an airplane can fly over and drop your roses, but a helicopter can come down and get you. So, he, he yeah, I, I guess that probably means a lot when you're the one that invented the helicopter that can come in and get you. But in, in his top nine most famous quotes on the Internet, this is what he says. The work of the individual still remains the spark that moves mankind forward. Y'all get that? Think back of all the men in, in America, in our country, and, and the one person that developed one thing that has changed the way. The work of the individual still remains the spark that moves mankind forward. We need to take that from a non-worldly point of view and see that in a Christian point of view. And understand in our lives as individuals that the work of the individual still remains the spark that moves mankind forward when we present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of one. The, the, 
basically the underlying thesis of the whole last part of chapter 9 all the way over to chapter 11 right here is the power of one. We saw how Peter and John went to Samaria. We looked at that last week and the success of Philip's preaching. And now here we are after the conversion of Saul in verse number 32. It came to pass as Peter passed through all quarters. He came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda saw, and, and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. And there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom they, when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. For as much as little was nigh unto Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Peter arose and went with them when he was come. They brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand, and he lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, many believed in the Lord. What we see in that text is two things specifically. Number one, Peter never tried to do anything in his own will anymore. Those days are gone. Everything that he does, he does in the power of of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't leave any room for any doubt that all power, all strength comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that we see is the profound impact that this one man has on the lives of millions. Aeneas has been bedridden for eight years as Peter passes through Lydda. Peter made a difference in the life of Aeneas, but, but it's because he showed compassion. Remember where we started? Remember when we talked about the Christian? Remember what we talked about Philip having compassion to go? It's because he shows compassion. And many people saw the compassion. The compassion is what exemplifies the Christian. It's what sets forth the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. People must see compassion in us. They have to see the compassion. They have to see the love. They can explain away a lot of stuff, but they cannot explain why you love them in spite of them. They cannot explain away the fact that you're concerned that they're going to hell. They may not even like you. It doesn't matter. You still care about them. It's compassion. It's compassion of Christ that lives within us. But here in the text, the compassion didn't just end here with Aeneas. Wherever Christians are, the compassion ought to go with us. The compassion... People ought to see it in us. If they can't see it, they ought to feel it in us. Amen? It ought to be there. There ought to be a presence of the Holy Spirit when we walk into the room. They ought to feel it. Our text tells us that this woman named Tabitha was sick in the town of Joppa. Dorcas in the Greek and some Christian men from Joppa heard that Peter was right up the road. And they said, go up there and get him. So they went and got him. And the Bible says that he came back. And Peter went with them there. And he put out all the mourners. And the Bible says there that she was given a new life. Y'all see that? That's not the best part of the story. She was given a new physical life. She was allowed an opportunity to come back and relive this life. By a show of hands, if you had died in this life, 
and you had spent the last couple of days in heaven, and you woke up looking at the face of somebody that rose you from the dead, would you be happy? That's what she got. I'd be like, what are you thinking? I was with Jesus. He just had took me by the hand, walking me through the promised land. I was by the crystal sea. What, what are you thinking? Wow. I, I, I know there's that little bit of fear of dying, but once we get over that hurdle, I don't want to have to do it again. Leave me alone. <laughs> don't be doing no kind of praying for me to come back. Leave me alone. Put me in the ground, be done with it. What did it say? Don't, don't weep for me. I'm good right where I'm at. So she got, she got to come back into this life, but that's not the best part of the story. Because of the miracle, the Bible says that many believed. That means the ones that believed because of that miracle, they got everlasting life. Because of what Peter did for one, many saw and got eternal life. The Bible tells us. I use this text a lot. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That phrase, newness of life, and over in Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, that phrase, new creature, those are synonymous. They say the same thing. They mean the exact same thing. So what we see here with Philip is that he did what God told him to do, and that was all that was necessary. He went down the road to the south, didn't ask why. Why do I need to go down that dirt road? What's in Gaza that's so important? Hey, I'm here in Samaria where there's thousands and I could reach hundreds every day by preaching. He didn't debate the issue. God said, I need you to leave right here and I need you to go down that dirt road to the south because there was one man. One day, every one of us in this place that is saved, one day God sent somebody down a dirt road for you. So I got one down there. You know, if you'd been the only one in this country, God would have sent somebody over here for you. That unit was down there all by himself. God said, hey, I know you're preaching to the city of Samaria, but I got something more important for you to do. I got one person down here that is looking for me right now. I need you to go down there and show him all about me. But then Peter, Peter went and Peter helped one, and then he helped one more. But in both cases, when he helped one, there was a multitude that saw it. You see the domino effect. You see the ripple effect of the one good deed. All Peter did was just bless Aeneas, but the Bible says that many believed. All he did was went with two people up there to see Tabitha and told Tabitha to arise. But the Bible says that many believed. Both of these men demonstrate the power of one. In the case of Peter, that one reaches many, but for all we know, the case of Philip may have reached even more. There's no telling what that eunuch did when he got back. There's no telling how many people he might have reached or what the effects was, but here's the deal. The effects or what happens afterward, that has nothing to do with you and I. 
Where they go to church afterwards. It has nothing to do with you and I. It's all up to God. Whether or not they become the one, whether or not they tell others about Jesus, that has nothing to do with you and I. The only thing that has anything to do with you and I is did we go? Were we at the place where we were supposed to be when God told us to get there? This is the prayer. God, give us the heart of LaGrange. God, will you grant us the heart of Troop County, Georgia? Will you help us turn our hometown inside out with the name of Jesus Christ? Will you help us make a difference in our community? Will you help us so that LaGrange, Georgia is a beacon shining up off this earth that can be seen from all around the world? Will you help us, God, to do something special right here? Will you help us to preach the gospel in Troop County, Georgia? Will you give us the ability? Will you deliver the heart? That's what we're praying. The fact is we can change our community. It's the power of one. All of our media, I was looking at some stuff last week, and it talks about, about the church, and I don't even remember the slogan. It's not mine, um, but it's on all of our website, all of our stuff. Something about the church where you can come and be friendly and love and be loved and serve and be served. And I asked them in the staff meeting, I said, doesn't that go back to Pastor Brandon Brooks? And they said, well, really, it goes back to Charles Chapman. I know it goes back at least to Brandon Brooks. It goes back a long time. But I told Larry, I said, if we're going to continue to pray for God to give us the heart of Troop County, I want to change our slogan. I want you to put on there that we are changing our surroundings one soul at a time. Because that's how we'll win LaGrange, Georgia. It's not about thousands. It's about each one reach one. I mentioned it this morning. If each one of us would just tell somebody today, do you know if each one of us in this place, this is the power of one. If each one of us in this place right now touched one life this week and truly made a difference, we could double in size next Sunday night power of one doesn't sound all that difficult does it just one it's not up to you to fill this building it's up to you to tell somebody about jesus it's not up to each one of us to reach lagrange it's up to every one of us to reach lagrange it's up to every one of us to tell somebody about jesus and we can do that we can change lagrange we can change our hometown. You can change your surroundings. We can change our workplace. You just got to keep on. It's the power of God. We just got to keep on telling about the simplicity of the gospel. It's about Jesus Christ. I know what world we live in. I know they don't want to hear it. I know they want to mock you. I know they want to laugh. I know they want to tear it down. Somebody tell me what chapter it is where it says that relieves us of our duty. Where is that one? Anybody know where that one's at? I don't have that one marked. Danny gave me this Bible. I hadn't marked this one up real good. Y'all know where it's at? It's not there. So even though they laugh at us, we're not relieved of the duty to tell them about Jesus. Even if they mock us, we still have to keep on telling them. Let me ask you something. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you show your hand. Because it's okay, because... I'll show mine too. How many of you, before you got saved, laughed at a Christian? Anybody mock one? Anybody make fun of one? 
Anybody besides me grow up in a church home and knew what you were doing when you laughed at one of them? But one day, the right one told me the right way. The Holy Spirit drew me the right way. I didn't change. I, I was still on my way to hell. The Holy Spirit just kept on sending people my way. Well, there's enough of us in right here to just keep on sending people their way. But you know, sometimes, sometimes it's a lot simpler than we make it. Sometimes we're at our job site. Sometimes we're in town. Sometimes we're in Samaria. And, and we're preaching as hard as we can and they're not getting it. But there's one ripe and ready. I mean, it's been planted, fertilized. It is ready for the picking. But it's down a dirt road at a place called Gaza. And we got to get up and go down there. And God said go, but we're too busy right here. When he had one in the field already whitened under harvest, that all we had to go do was tell him about Jesus. And all the work was done. We are the power of one. We look at the power of one person. You look at the power of one man in a video. You look at the power of one in the Bible. If the power of one single person can do all that, what could be the power of one unified church that came together for the cause of Jesus Christ? One church that came together and said, it's all about Christ. It's not about me. It's not about my agenda. It's not about my kind of music. Not about who's happy, who ain't. It's not about who's pouting, who's walking on their lips, and who's not. This is about Jesus. If it ain't about Jesus for you, you're probably holding down the wrong pew. Somebody else has got one for you. I'm sorry. But what could be the power of one unified church that came to this place for one reason? That's to make everything about Jesus. Can we be that church? I'm going to ask you a different way. Do we want to be that church? Do we have a desire to be that church? Well, here's what I want to do tonight. I'm not, I'm not through with this story, obviously, but I'm through for tonight. Because I'm going to stop right there because I want to know if we can come together and pray together tonight and ask God to give us the power of one united body. I want the power of one. I want to be what God wants me to be. I'll go ahead and tell you that. I don't want to stand before God with any more flaws than I already have. I don't want to have to answer for any more than I already have to answer for. I don't want to miss any more opportunities than I've already missed. I don't, I don't want to have any more on my plate when I stand before God. I want to do the best I can from this day forward. I want to be the one that God can use. But I don't want to just be one by myself right here. I want to be part of this one body. I want to be part of this one unified body. I want to be part of this one church. I want us to be the place that God can use. I don't want to just pray God give us the heart of LaGrange. God will give us the heart of LaGrange, but you got to listen to that word give. He's not going to give you the heart of LaGrange anymore. He's going to give you patience. You pray for patience if you want to, but you're not going to get it as a free gift. You're going to get it, but it won't be gift wrapped. You're going to go through some storms. You're going to go through some trials. You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some situations. You're going to learn patience. God will give you patience. But he's going to teach it to you. It's the same. God will give us the heart of LaGrange, but we're not just going to sit here happy inside our four walls doing nothing, and they're just going to come knocking our doors down trying to get in. It's up to you and I to go out there and tell them about Jesus. It's the power of one. Each one of us. If each one of us Reached one every week 
We'd be out of this building in two or three months if God chose to send them to church here. But that's not our priority either. I pray for the day God fills this building up, but that's up to God. Whether he does or not, really doesn't matter. As long as he uses us to do it in need, as long as he helps meet the financial needs to do the things he's given us to do. I mean, I would love to see everybody come to Faith Baptist Church. That really doesn't matter. Our job is to tell them about Jesus Christ. Where they go to church, that's God's business. That's God's draw. That's God's call. He's going to use people in other places. They can't all go right here. But the ones of us that are right here have got a job to do. Right.